Join us on August 6th for Family Sunday. It's a family-friendly service with guest speaker Eric Camp. Child care is provided for kids three and under. There will be prayer for all students heading back to school at the end of service. And then Aqua Grande will follow the 10 a.m. service on the East Lawn with water games, obstacles, and competitions. Free food will be available for lunch. Funnel cakes, water, and pop will be available for purchase as well. Flyers and sign-up sheets are at the Nerve Center. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Only Believe Church this morning. We're happy that you've chose your Sunday to spend with us. I can't think of a better time and place to be where we can worship our Lord together, learn together. If this is your first time here at Only Believe and you would like to know more about our church, you can literally just take your phone and click the QR code on the back of the pew, or you can literally go fill out a digital online form where we'll keep track of you and just reach out to you and see if there's any questions you had about the church. And then there's always good old card in the back of the pew as well. You can fill that out with a pen and pencil. We're glad that you're here today. And uh, just if you are a visitor, just reach over to your neighbor and say, hello, this is my first time here. And if you need any help, I'm sure they'll walk you through the first day. Um, also, I want to take time. The prayer team has cards that they want to pass out today. They're already walking around passing them out. This is something very important that we believe at Only Believe. If you need prayer, we are a church that prays first. Immediately when you fill these cards out after the service, there is a team that is praying over your prayer request. And then if it's an ongoing prayer request, it is held until our first Saturday of the month, which was just yesterday. We prayed for all the prayer requests at our altar and believed God for the miracles and the salvations of your loved ones, healings in your bodies, deliverance for there was a brother yesterday who had mental illness. We're believing for that deliverance in him. He don't go to church here, but that's all right. Amen. And we believe that we received when we prayed. Um, also, if you're looking to do any type of outreach this year, I just want to plug. Um, we are doing a tissue drive. I got another box on my front. Uh, pew that we picked up this weekend, but just keep the tissues coming. We are looking at supporting our local schools with all the tissues that they need. Every kid that blows their nose, that box of tissues has been prayed over for that kid's salvation, amen, throughout the school year. So as you walk by, say a prayer over those boxes, say a prayer over those kids' lives, hallelujah. The devil is after the kids in America, and this church is taking a stand. Whether it's a tissue we put in their hand or a family service that we have right before Aqua Grande, we're believing God for transformation in our children. Amen. So stand to your feet this morning. We didn't come here just to hear about a bunch of announcements, but we came to worship our God. Amen. I see this, this little sign every week when we come in and it says, Jesus is here to meet your need. Every need that we have, he's here to meet today. Lift up your hands. This means in the word without wrath, I'm not angry at you, God, and I'm not doubting who you are. I believe in who you are and the power of the cross. Father, we believe that you're here to meet every need today. Father, we approach your throne with a grateful heart today. Father, we say thank you for the price that you paid at Calvary. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that you redeemed us and bought us out of a life full of sin and slavery. Father, we just want to worship you today and spend time in your presence. Father, as we worship you, the needs that we have, let them just fall to the wayside. Father, for better is one day in your courts 
than a thousand elsewhere. Let's lift up a praise. Amen.
shout this morning. Hallelujah. We are grateful. We are grateful. Hallelujah. God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, my God, he holds the victory, yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet, but we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet, but we shout out your praise. Oh, 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 we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Because we were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, yes, we do. Cause we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. 
we are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Because we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Oh, let the house of the Lord sing praise. Oh, let the house of the Lord sing praise. Oh 
this place this morning let's lift our hands and surrender if you're new here I want to welcome you to worship with us this is not something that we do up here for any acclimates this is a part where we get to as a body of Christ worship together we get to worship him together we get the opportunity to come into a building and be the church and surrender ourselves to our King. We get to surrender ourselves to Him. Let's sing that chorus again. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I mean all of you. I mean all of you. Where your blood ran red and my sin Washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all at the cross, at the cross, at the cross. I surrender my life. Oh, I'm in all of you. Where you love, where your love 
and I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else. Come on, look right at him this morning and say, I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing can satisfy me. Nothing can fill the hole. It's only you. I just want you. Nothing else. No. Hey, nothing else. I just want Jesus. Yes. Nothing. Church, we're going to move into offering, tithes and offering here in a minute. But I just want to, just want to remind us of this. God told Abraham that, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless every nation on the earth. That's, that was God's intention, to bring blessing and restoration and redemption to the whole world through, through this one family. But he also told Abraham, Abraham, I am ex your exceedingly great reward. Nothing else matters. He, God could bless, God could pour billions and billions of dollars. God could give you all the health in the world. You could live to be 7,000 years old. It wouldn't matter if you didn't have him. It just wouldn't matter. And the reality of the moment right now, and I just, I want to share, the reality of the moment right now is that we're singing this. God, you're the only thing I want, but we got to wake up tomorrow. And tomorrow's going to bring new challenges. 
And tomorrow's going to bring a new moment in our lives. And, and will we still be singing this tomorrow? That God, you're all I want. Or am I going to let the day consume me? Am I going to let the pursuit of wealth or riches or whatever it is, am I going to let it have my heart tomorrow or is this going to be my cry all week long? Nothing else. I just really feel a call to just, to just press into this for a moment. Before we get ready to give our tithes and our offerings, just to say, no, God, it's all about you. I'm not coming to give tithes and offering because you said you'll bless me. No, I'm coming because you're what I actually want. You're what I want. So you know what I'm going to do, God? I'm going to give you some of what you already gave me. I'm going to give it back to you because it's not about what I, I want you, Jesus. That's why it's not hard to give. Because what I really want, Jesus, is you. You know, when, I, when all I want is Jesus, what I find is unlimited grace for my mistakes. I'll take that all day. When all I want is Jesus, all I'm going to find is love that never fails me. I'll take that all day. What I find when all I want is Jesus is eternal security, that I never have to worry about what's going to happen to me, that I know my God has got me when all I want is Jesus. I just want to challenge you today. We're going to give our tithes and our offerings. We're going to honor God with it, but I want to challenge you today to just really set your heart that this isn't just a moment. This song is a reminder that this is our lifestyle as followers of Jesus, that it's not just about in church on Sunday morning. God, right now in this moment, all I want is no, it's every day of my life. Jesus, all I want is you. And this is a reminder to my soul that all I need is Jesus. So all I want is Jesus. Can we just worship for a few more moments together? Would you just lift your hands to heaven? Let's give him all that we've got this morning. I just want you. Nothing so much better than we deserve man he's just hmm. you know how foolish are we sometimes and when we look at the cross when I look at the cross and I see what God was willing to do to rescue me that I might worry about how I'm going to make ends meet if I honor God with my money. How foolish of me. 
when he would ransom heaven to save me, why would I ever doubt him? I'm just having a moment with Jesus. Don't worry about it. They make fun of me in the office because I'm the crier. It's okay. It's all right. I just, you know what? God's grace is so good. You know, can I just encourage you, church? We're all in this together. And like we, I get, you know, I'm one of the privileged ones that I get the opportunity to preach the word of God to you. But you know, we, we as preachers and pastors, we got to live this out too. And I can read the scriptures a million times and I still have to live it by faith just like you do. And so I'm going to share a message with you today, just a short one about tithing and offering, but I'm telling you, I'm sharing it because I'm in the same boat because I got a growing family, right? I'm worried about what's happening. I'm worried about how I'm going to make ends meet. And just sometimes the grace of God hits you and you go, what am I so worried about? In Mark 12, you guys are going to be familiar with this. In Mark 12, verse 41, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And Jesus saw it and he calls his disciples to him. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth. I have to have David preach or something. I don't know. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty. I need more faith, you know? That's what I need. She put in everything, all she had to live on. It's even more incredible because in their culture, widows didn't have anyone. They were literally all by themselves. There was no social structure around them to support them. And this woman gave it all. Here's what I love about the story too, is it doesn't tell us what happened to this lady. She gave it all and Jesus doesn't follow up with, oh, and by the way, the next day somebody showed up with $100 worth of groceries and paid her rent and all that. No, it just says she gave it all. Everything she had to live on. This is the lifestyle of the Christians moving forward. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this. He says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Listen to this. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy. Man, I could use some of that, right? In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Wait a minute, he said they were extremely poor. How were they extremely generous at the same time? Because Jesus said it doesn't matter what the amount is. That wasn't what made it significant. It was what you were willing to do. He says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. He says, they urgently pleaded with us 
for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations and they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. In Romans 10 verse 11, Paul says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Tithe is the baseline level of giving for the church. It's our starting point. It's not our end point. What we see modeled in the, in the New Testament is that Christians who radically trust in their God, who would ransom heaven for them, gave over and beyond to meet needs. Even out of their extreme poverty, they pleaded, they urged for the opportunity to give to others in need. I need a transformation in my life. I need God to do a work in me because I'm not there yet. When I see, you know, that it doesn't look like it's going to match up, my first instinct is not, well, God's got this. Let me just give more money away. My first instinct is, all right, well, let's, you know, let's make sure we just skim by giving God the bare minimum of what he asks me for. Now, I'm not asking us to be foolish. What I'm, what I'm challenging us here to and what I think Jesus is getting after is our hearts. If I look at the cross, what do I have to worry about? There's nothing to fear. Those who trust in him will never be put to shame. If you're here today and tithe has been a struggle point for you, and you just don't know, how can God make this work? I don't know how God saves a sinner like me, but he did it. And I don't know how God's going to make money just happen for me so that all my bills are paid and my family's paid. But I know that if he can do the one, he can do the other. Amen? And so church, I just want to challenge you to just grab a hold of the heart of God for you, that God's desire is to meet every need that you have. Jesus said, if you'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. God will take care of you. You just trust in him. And tithe is one way that we say, God, I trust in you. I trust in you. So as we prepare to give tithe and offering this morning, let's let it be about trusting in him. We're not worried about the outcomes because the outcomes are all God's control and he's got you. You can trust your life and your eternity with a good father who would be willing to send his son to die for your sins, to redeem you and to rescue. You can trust him. So if you've struggled with tithe and offering, let today be the day that you say, God, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to trust that you're going to meet my needs because you've got this. You've got this. Amen. Let's pray. And then after I pray, you can bring your tithe and offering down. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness. God, we just declare again that you're what we want. Nothing else, God. You're all that we need. If we have you, we have everything. And Father, you've asked us to honor you with our money. Money is a temptation. It's an idol in our lives, and we don't want to have any idols, Father. We want to worship you and you alone. And so, Father, I pray that today we would honor you by giving you our tithes. And, Father, that we would even go beyond that, that we would trust that, God, no matter what we give, you are greater. So lead us, Father. Lead us. Speak to us. And show us what you would have us do with our money. We're just stewards of it. It's yours anyways. We're just stewarding. And, Father, I thank you that as we put our trust in you, we will never be put to shame. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You guys can bring your tithe and your offering to the Lord this morning.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Oh, it's good to be back in the house of God today. Hope and trust everybody had a good week this uh, last week and that uh, everybody's going to have a good 4th of July. Thank God for our independence. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Yes. Now, we may have problems and lots of them, but buddy, I thank God we are still free. Still free so far. We're still free. <laughs> amen and amen. America is still the best country in the world to be in. It really is. Hallelujah. Speaking of countries, I got to talk to Eric Smith on the phone today. I don't know if some of you that don't know, we've been in our Niger- or not Nigeria. We've been in our Kenya crusade now for six days, and it's about, I don't know, 5 p.m. or so, and they are ramping up. Music's going, uh, and uh, Pastor Eric has told me that we have, let's see here, 40,000 salvations so far, which is amazing. Woo! So that's where we're at right there in Nairobi. We stayed in Nairobi and we've ministered to over 145,000 people so far in our six days of the crusade. Miracles, healing, signs and wonders, it's all just phenomenal. So, And uh, that's Pastor Harry. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there to help out with the children, but it's going so well. They're doing lots of street evangelism as well. So guys, it's all because of you that we get to do and have the privilege of going and and uh, doing what we get to do over there and to give God the glory for it and all the salvations, that is attributed to you. So hallelujah, you can give yourselves a hand for that as well. Praise God, praise God, praise the Lord. That was kind of a poor hand, but that's okay. It's all good. <laughs> I know you might be a little tired this morning. It's all right. So they'll be back, I think, Tuesday with a better report, bigger report, uh, and things like that. And as, of course, yesterday morning, those of who us joined us for our one-month prayer, every, uh, the first Saturday of every month, we prayed for the crusade for yesterday and today as well. So we're believing for amazing things to happen as they finish up in Nairobi. Praise God. Hallelujah. So good. So let's get into this today. Uh, we are still teaching and learning about healing. So it's a great subject, and I don't think we ever have to get off that subject. There's so much to healing and so many different ways we can talk about it. So how many was here last Sunday? Last Sunday, all right, very good. How many was not here last Sunday? All right, okay, good. So uh, just listen to it, uh, the first one, then you'll get to catch up on this one. But we will do just a quick review on this this morning. Last week we did start off with a beautiful testimonial video from Lauren. Um, that was just great. It, it moved a lot of people. And you know, in that video, there was lots of pain. There was lots of grief. There was lots of whys. Um, but in the end, she trusted God. She stepped out in faith and God healed and transformed her entire family. Isn't that right, Lauren? Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Father. Because we live by faith, even though we may not know why this and why that and everything that went through her life. But she just said, no, I'm not going to mess with that. I'm just going to step out because, God, you are a God who loves me, who cares for me, who died for me. I'm going to do what you said. And, man, I'll tell you what, it's transformed her family's life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. So that's what we started out with. And then we did find out that healing is both for the Jew and the Gentile. So if you're not a Jew in here, guess what you are then? You're a Gentile, and then healing is for you. Come on, say, healing is for me. Mean it when you say it. Healing is for me. 
It absolutely is. We started talking about statements that kind of could hinder us or stop us from being healed. Uh, The first statement was, healing died and passed away with the apostles. Listen, I'm not even going to even waste one more second with that one, okay, because that's just ridiculous. No, the second reason that might hinder your healing is, if God wants me healed, then he will heal me. How many of you have heard that? I have absolutely heard that from people. Well, if God wants me healed, then you know what? He'll heal me. And I guess my response, if I was going to be mean, would say, well, you know what? If you believe that, then if God wants you saved, apparently he's going to save you too. If he wants me healed, he'll heal me. Then apparently if he wants me saved, he'll save me. Or even add this one to it. If God wants me to stop sinning, then I guess he'll stop me from sinning. How's that one working out for you? (laughs) Yeah. Again, a statement that just isn't true, no scripture or verse can discuss that, and you won't find it anywhere. And that can stop our healing. So what about this one, number three? God has put sickness on me to teach me something. And man, I've heard that also. I've heard that from church people. Hopefully not in this one. All right, but I've heard that from church people. And I love Pastor Dosek and what he has said. By the way, Pastor is doing fine. He's live streaming with his wife right now like they do every Sunday. So, uh, so he says hello. And um, he's, he had nothing that has happened to him this week. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. No fishing hook in his hands. No riding a lawnmower down the street. I mean, he's, this week so far, praise the Lord, he had a great week. So it's been good. Hallelujah. But anyhow, I love what Pastor has said in the past about if God, uh, God's putting sickness on me, you know, to heal me. Well, then he has said, and I know a lot of you have heard this, well, if that's the case, if he's trying to teach you something by putting sickness on you, then why are you taking medicine? Why are you going to the doctor? Stop going to the doctor because you're being disobedient. Stop taking that medicine because you're being disobedient. You're in sin if he's got this sickness put on you so you can learn something from it. And I want to add to his legacy on that by saying this. If you believe that God has put some kind of a sickness on you to teach you something, then ask God for a double portion of it so you can learn faster. That's my contribution to Pastor's amazing statement. Ask God for a double portion of breast cancer so you can learn faster of what he's trying to teach you through it. You see how ridiculous that sounds? That is absolutely preposterous, as my dad would say. It's ridiculous. There's no scriptural reference for it. And that kind of thinking will stop healing in your life. Absolutely will. Praise God. Woo! All right. Anyhow, also, sin, of course, stops healing. Doubt will stop your healing. Unbelief will stop your healing. The man said, I believe, but help my unbelief when he looked at Jesus. All those stop healing and hinder your healing. Um, Boy, religion that we talked about last week will stop your healing. So many different things that are opposed to healing And what about, I'm not worthy to be healed. I'm not worthy to be healed, really. So you are worthy to be saved, but you're not worthy to be healed? What's the difference? There is no difference. 
You know, it's like what Jesus said. What's the difference between get, take up your bed and walk or you're healed? You know, there's no difference. If he saved you, he wants to heal you. And that's it. The bottom line. All right. Listen, in every crusade that I've been in since 2014, except for one when I was in Bedona in the Dominican Republic, healings, miracles, signs, and wonders were first before people ever gave their life to Jesus. Now explain that one. Every one of them, every single one of them, meant thousands of people getting healed, set free, just like it's happening this week. And then they see the goodness of the Lord, and then they accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. It doesn't make sense. Well, how does God hear a sinner? I don't know. But he hears that one, and then they repent, and they get saved. So healing comes first. Wow, that's beautiful. Can somebody say amen? All right, it's God's will that everyone should be saved and everyone to be healed. Absolutely is. So today, that's just the review. So today, we're going to jump way back into Exodus, the 12th chapter. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and do that. Exodus, the 12th chapter. And uh, we're going to be reading about the very first Passover meal. I was doing some studying on this, of course, this week. And man, I'll tell you what, I have learned so much that I didn't even know about the Passover meal. And I hope that today you get some revelation and it will, uh, it will help you as well. So <clears throat> we're going to learn how it relates to us today and how it relates to healing. Now, if we're in the 12th chapter in Exodus, up to this time, I won't read it for the sake of time, there have been nine plagues that have already been taken place on Egypt. Nine plagues. And if you ask me, those nine plagues would be temporary judgments from God. Temporary judgments from God. And in, uh, in the scripture verse also that I used last week, 2 Peter 3.9, I said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness. God is long-suffering, thank God, toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all, all, all should repent. God wanted the Egyptians to repent along with the Jews, not just his people. Now, you might be saying, well, Pastor Randy, you know, that's stretching it a little bit. If Pharaoh would have repented, burned all of his idols, and turned his face toward God, this would be a different story today, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Because he wants all to be healed, all to be saved. And you might say, I don't know about that. Well, you know what? Just hold that thought, because I hope I'm going to burst it here in a few minutes for you. So Exodus, the 12th chapter, we're going to start in verse 3 here. And it says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man that take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father's lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. In other words, if you have a small family and you just can't eat that lamb, grab another small family beside you. And eat that lamb together. That's all that, that is saying there. 
And it says there, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of its blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lentil of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh and night and, uh, and at night, on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat. God wanted them to eat it with bitter herbs to remind them of what it's like to be in slavery for over 400 years. You're going to eat them bitter herbs because I don't want you to forget where you came from. Because a lot of times we forget where we came from. We forget the pits that we came out of. And God said, I don't want them guys to, to forget that whatsoever. So that's what happened there. Now we're going to read on from verse 9. It says, do not eat raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. Uh, entrails. You know, that's the guts, that's the intestines, that's all that nasty stuff. And you know, when I got to that verse the first thing that came to my mind was Pastor Ed. Pastor Ed, are you here somewhere? I know you were just a few minutes ago. You were, he's out in the hallway. When we're in Africa on Sundays, they take all of our pastors and they take us to churches. And we have to preach at the pastor's churches, all right, on Sunday mornings. I went out, man, listen, I don't know where I was going, but I thought, boy, do I have my will? Man, did I... Did I I need to call my wife to her. I love her. It's been wonderful. I went so far out, man. I, I thought, oh, God, they're going to come out here and kill me. I don't know where I'm going. Drove forever. So we preach at the churches. Well, the people are so thankful that we are there and that we're preaching for them that they take us to their homes after church. And I had already said, I've got a kid's crusade at 2 o'clock. I cannot be late. No problem, Pastor Randy. No problem. All right, so I preached. It's like 12.30, I, and I said, okay, I got to go. They kept on preaching. They kept on singing, and I'm like, boom, I'm out. There. We had some people saved, and a couple people got healed, and so it was great. I'm out of here. Well, I'm like, where am I going, man? I'm like, I know I, I, I always look at stuff. Okay, that tree's familiar. That car, that boat, boat is familiar, which is a motorcycle. That's familiar. Okay, yeah, okay. That cow's familiar. I didn't see anything familiar. Where am I going? I'm still going to die. I'm still going. I didn't do a good job. I guess I'm still going to die. They took me to the pastor's house. And I said, no, no, I can't do this. I don't have time. And I can't eat your food. Oh, and so now, man, I'm just starting to worry. And here comes, here comes uh, a plate of, of bananas. And I was like, yes, yes, I'll, I'll have that banana. It's an appealing. I can eat that. I can't have anything that's washed in their water. Our systems can't deal with it. And uh, we've had people get deathly sick that's come back from Africa. Almost died. It's taken months to find what has been wrong with them. So I had the banana, and I ate the banana. I'm like, oh, this is good so far. They brought a bottled water that was completely sealed. I made sure of it. Ah, yes. And this is getting good. Okay, I'm, this is good. I'm doing real good. I'm doing good. I'm thinking this is great. Well, all of a sudden, here comes this bowl. There's rice on it. And I'm like, Okay. All right, this is, this is good. Rice is good. I can eat rice. It's good. It's boiled. It'll be fine. It's clean. I'll be okay. Set the rice down. 
And I, and I said, thank you so much. And I get ready to eat the rice. Oh, no, 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 hold on. And then here comes the gravy with feet in it. And the gravy gets poured over my rice. And the little feet come out too. The little, I don't know if it's chicken feet. I don't know what it is, man. I'm like Jesus on the main line. Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Help me, God. Oh, praying in tongues won't even help you with that. I'm telling you. And they're all standing there and they're all sitting there and they pour theirs on theirs. And they're like, okay, Pastor Randy, would you please pray? I said, yes, I'll pray. I'll pray over the food. I'll pray. Oh, I prayed, and boy, I prayed over that food. God. And then so somehow I got around eating around that, and, and, and I ate the rice with some gravy. But a lot of times Ed would be there, especially when Nicole was with us, and, and Nicole would move the plate over to Ed. And Ed would eat the entrails, and he'd eat the feet, and he'd eat all that stuff, man. Ed Ingram is our savior when we go to Africa. I mean, he'd do it, man. He'd eat it, but he'd eat the heart. Man, he'll eat the gizzards. He'll eat everything. And Pastor Philip, our kitten campus pastor, he'll do the same thing for us. I take that. I ordered a fish one time, and it was the whole fish with the eyeball out and everything else. And I'm like, and buddy, he ate it for me. Thank God for guys that are not fearful and will eat anything. Wow. Hallelujah. Anyhow, sorry for that side note, but man, Brother Ed is our Savior when it comes to overseas. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, man, we, oh, gosh, I, I, got, I got to move on. We, there was a time when we went out to dedicate a well way out in the boonies where the roads were gone, and we were going through fields and go back to the roads. Nicole and I had to go out there and dedicate this well uh, to the tribe, and we were dedicating the well. I was praying over the well, and they were dancing, and they brought all the big cows and stuff in the, the, uh, the tribe, the the, 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 the Maasai or Maasai tribe was out there and they were bringing everything in. Snakes would come and drink water out of this well. It was amazing. They were way out in the, in the boondocks, man, way out there. And so we get ready and, we're, and I think we're leaving and they take us over here to this place. And when we came around the corner, our kids were there with us, came around the corner, there has been a slaughtered goat and the blood was everywhere. And there was a guy picking through its entrails and putting it in boiling water. And the goat's legs were in boiling water. And they said, Pastor Randy, this is for you. Thank you for, for helping us, you know, and doing this. And I'm like, oh, guys, I, I love you guys. I love you all. I cannot, I cannot eat this. I, I, it may make me sick. And so uh, Bishop Natuka went into the boiling water, grabbed the leg, and was like, I'll eat it for you, man. <laughs> Thanks, Bishop. We love you, brother. See, this is the stuff we do for you overseas for salvations. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. It's all good. It's all good. All right, let's keep moving on here. We're at, uh, all right, we're at verse 9 with the entrails. Yes. All right. So the, the Bible says, uh, let's see. All right, verse 10. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. But there'd been a big fire at my house in the morning. How about yours? Woo! Yes. All right, it says, and, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Wow, so these guys were instructed to do this and do it quickly. And here's the thing. The blood is the cleansing of our sins. It takes away our impurities. And so when it comes to... Uh, 
the, the bread and it had, couldn't be leaven, well, leaven represented sin in the old covenant. And so they couldn't have any leavened bread. It had to be unleavened. And so just as the children of Israel who had the blood over their doors escaped judgment, we have escaped judgment and hell because of the blood of Jesus. When we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior, we, we get to escape hell and judgment, just like the children of Israel did. But it's not just about the blood, ladies and gentlemen, because it's also about the bread. It's also about the lamb. And that's what we're going to get into here just in a second. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, now turn your Bibles over to Exodus, the 12th chapter. Exodus, the 12th chapter. You're still there, I guess. And we're going to go down to verse 29. And it says here, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who had sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So that night that happened. But because, because of what they had over the door and what they had on the inside of them, they were saved. I say it like this. They had the blood over them, and they had the lamb inside them. Ooh, that's a good shouting part right there. They had the blood over them, and they had ate that lamb. And how many of you know it was fire? Jesus went through the most excruciating fire torture you can imagine. And so that lamb was on fire, burnt with fire. And then they ate it. So the blood was over them, and the lamb was in them. Man, guys, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better here. I promise it's going to get better. Exodus, we found out that judgment was cast on them. They struck the firstborn of the people and the animals who did not have the blood over the door. And then Pharaoh told them, get out. Get out. And I want you to look closely at verse 38. Verse 38, this is really good. And this is what I have missed for many, many years. It says here, a mixed multitude went up with them also and flocks and herds and livestock. A mixed multitude. It didn't say that just the children of Israel went up and their flocks and their herds and their livestock. It said a mixed multitude. Well, who do you think the mixed multitude was? Egyptians. Egyptians. What? Egyptians were saved as well? I thought it was just the children of Israel. A mixed multitude went up with them. That means many of the Egyptians repented and were with the Israelites. Listen, guys, you got to understand, they all saw the nine plagues. They were there. Listen, they, the frogs were sleeping in their beds too, you know. And I guarantee you, with 430 years of captivity and slavery and bondage, they made friends with some Egyptians. I mean, look who saved Moses, for God's sake. An Egyptian woman. They made friends with them, probably some lifelong generational friends. They made friends with them. They saw what was happening. They told them what was going to happen. And so on that last night, a lot of those Egyptians said, honey, we ain't staying home and watching Lucy tonight. We're going to go down there to the Israelites, and we're going to go down there, and we're going to be under the blood, and we're going to eat some lamb too. And that's exactly what they did. They went into the houses with them. They were covered by the blood. 
The blood was over them and the, bland was in the, and the lamb was in them as well. And they were also saved. A mixed multitude went up with them. Listen, they said there that there were six, in verse 37, there were 600,000 men be, besides children. And if there's 600,000 men, they're probably a million women. There's a lot more women out there than men, right? And, and if there's 600,000 men, they might be a million women. There's a half a million kids. You know what I'm saying? Uh, be fruitful and multiply. They believe that. So they say that there could have been 3 million people, but 600,000 men had separate families. Can you even imagine how many animals were killed? 600,000 men, well, maybe 500,000 animals were slaughtered. Egypt saw that. What is going on down there? Something is up. We got to find out what's happening down there. And a lot of them did. And a lot of them got in on the salvation. Huh? Again, God wills for all to be saved and healed. Not just some. Not just the Jew and not just the Gentile, but all. And that proves it right there. Mm -hmm. Man, I wish I had an organist up here. <laughs> All right. Now, how many of you guys have seen the movie, uh, The Ten Commandments? It's what, 1970, 60, 50? I don't know. All right. I have a movie clip that I want to show you of The Ten Commandments. It's a beautiful movie clip. Here we go. All right, now I want you to go to Psalms 105 and look at verse 36. Psalms 105 and look at verse 36. It says here, He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength, he also brought them out with silver and gold, and there were 300,000 that were feeble among the tribes. Oh, 200,000, 10,000, 5,000, 100. Give me a break, people. There's three million. Listen, there had to be at least 1,000 people that were sick. What did it say? And, go, and there was none feeble among his tribes. Well, I had to say, okay, feeble. Gee, that means you're sick. Uh, that means um, you're not well. Uh, Cecil B. DeMille, if that was his name, he got it wrong. He got it wrong. There wasn't nobody blind. There wasn't nobody, I am so tired and I am going to die. No. Not one was feeble, not them or their livestock. Over three million people and not one feeble among them. But God doesn't heal. Mm. 
Cecil Bill DeMille, if you were still alive, I'd rebuke you. <laughs> well, how many of you guys never saw that before? I never saw that before. I was like, what? Whoa, no, I got to show the congregation that. Man, that's a great movie, but he got it wrong right there. I mean, how did he not do his investigative work and not see that part? It's okay, it was just a movie. Hallelujah. But not one was diseased. Mm-mm-mm. Now, and here's the other thing too, and I wrote this down as a, as a thing. You're a slave for 430 years. You're generationally cursed. You're in bondage. I know, and you know, there were people sick. There were people diseased. They were crippled people. People dying all the time because they were slaves and in bondage. But yet, but yet they all walked out of Egypt completely made whole. Not one person sick or weak or feeble. And it was a mixed multitude. Egyptians and the Jews who had the blood over them and the lamb in them, approximately three, three million people. So here's the deal. When? When? When were they healed? I'll tell you when. When they partook of the lamb. When they partook of the lamb. The blood was over their doors. And when they ate the lamb, healing took place in everybody's life. In everybody's life, including their animals. Wow, that's the mercy of our God. To the Egyptians and the Jews. To idol worshipers who abused Jews, his chosen people, for over 400 years. He saved them too. Wow. Hmm. All right. And here's the deal, guys. If he, God, would do that for them thousands of years ago, we have a much better covenant. We don't have an inferior covenant. We have a much better covenant with better promises. So how, mm -hmm. okay, hallelujah. There is no foreshadowing for us. Everything in the old covenant is a foreshadowing of the new covenant. What's going to take place, the whole covenant. We're in the new covenant. There is no more foreshadowing for you and I. There wasn't, there isn't a lamb for us. The lamb sacrificed himself for us in this new covenant, right? Come on, hallelujah. A much better covenant, guys. Praise the Lord. If eating the lamb provided healing for every single person back then, how much more does healing belong to us? Because Jesus himself was broken for us and his stripes gave us healing. Come on, got to think about that. Wow. Man, I think some of you got the revelation right there. Hallelujah. He is for us. And we are healed and set free and delivered. We are redeemed and healing is ours. And we should expect everyone to be healed. Everyone to be healed. If he did it for them, he'll do it for you and I. Hallelujah. No matter our past. No matter what we've done. That's all behind us. We're under the blood. Come on, we have the blood over us and we have the lamb in us. Jesus is inside of us. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, we give you praise today, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And here's the thing. The blood was over them. The lamb was in them. And then the Bible says to eat it with a belt on, with their sandals on, and with their staff in their hand. Why? Because they're going to be leaving in haste. What does God tell us in this new covenant? Get your life right. Get saved. Ask me to forgive you of your sins. And when you do that, bam, automatically, by my stripes, you are healed. Now you're saved and you're healed. And now what do we got to do? Get ready because I'm coming quick. In a twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be here. So you better be ready. You better be ready. You better have that oil in them lamps. You and I have to be ready because he's coming back fast. Woo! Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to be ready. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Man, this is, this is pretty good, I think. All right. <laughs> Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. My goodness. Praise the Lord. Paul is getting ready to tell the Corinthians here that they were not taking part in the Passover meal correctly. And that's what the 11th chapter here in the beginning is all about. At the Last Supper, Jesus instituted it or established it as communion for us in the New Testament in our better covenant. But remember at the Lord's Supper, he said, this is my body, broken for you, Mm, healing is yours, this is my blood, the new covenant, and we celebrate communion together. So in verse 23, Paul said that God himself gave him what he's about to say. This was a revelation. It says it right there in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23. Now let me, I didn't even get over there. I'll just read it from up here, all right? For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, it is broken for you, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, this do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now stop right there for a second. That word unworthy was sketchy to me because if we're taking communion together, that means we're saved, doesn't it? Uh, We're not supposed to take communion unless we've been saved. So we're already saved. Those people that Paul's talking to here, they're already Christians. So what does it mean by if you take it unworthily manner, you'll be guilty of the body and the blood? I'll tell you why as I did my research. Those people in Corinthians... They were not waiting on the assembly. See, back then they had churches that came together, and then they would take communion together. All right, they were one big body, like we are today. Well, what was happening back then was people were rushing, and and it it was the actual meal back then. They were rushing and eating all of the stuff, and drinking and getting drunk. How, do, how many of you know that you can be worthy but do unworthy things? 
you can be saved and still sin. Right? Well, they were worthy to take communion because they had given their life to Jesus, but they were doing it unworthily. And that's what Paul was saying. You guys ain't doing this right. Man, you're, there's no respect. There is, you're doing it all wrong. So keep going. 20, 28, 11, 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And the other thing was this, is these guys were hungry. They were hungry. So they was running there, and they were just eating it, grabbing it, doing what they wanted to, and that was absolutely wrong. They were taking the meal unworthily in an unworthy manner. They were not approaching the table with reverence. They were being selfish, eating because they were, not, they were hungry, not preferring their brother, and eating everything and drinking and getting drunk before everyone got together. This is why Paul said in verse 34, if you'll jump down to 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-four, 34, if you can find it, but if any one of you are hungry, then eat at home. <laughs> eat at home. Let's come together for judgment, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. So if you're hungry, folks, if you're that hungry, eat at home before you come and partake of the Passover dinner. Because you ain't doing it right, and you're going to cast judgment on yourself, and you're eating it in an unworthy, unworthy manner. That's what he was telling them. And he says, and we are sick because we are not discerning the body. The word discerning means understanding what it means, what the body is really all about. See, we discern the blood, no problem. We got the blood, man. We're saved. Woo, the redemption of our sins. Hallelujah, we got that. But he said, we're not discerning the body. And it's for the cleansing of our sins is the blood. The body is for healing. And he said, that's why since you're not discerning the body, a lot of you are sick. A lot of you are going to sleep before your time. You don't, the revelation of what the body is about has not hit your brain and hit your heart. So therefore, you're dying too early. By his stripes, we were what? Exactly. So here's the deal. We have to discern the body correctly. Again, if the old covenant is a type of the new covenant, and the old covenant, the blood saved them, and the bread or the lamb healed them, the new covenant, the blood saves us, and because of Jesus' stripes, we were made whole. We've got to let that sink in. We've got to get that revelation. He wants all of us healed, all of us saved. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So today, we know that there's healing in the bread. And there's salvation in the blood. And we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion. So I know the band's coming up right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know, and I know that as we eat this bread, folks, listen, healing is going to come. Healing is going to come. But let's talk about the blood. Let's talk about the blood. The blood represents salvation. And there might be some of you sitting here today that have never, ever given your life to Jesus. And some of you, maybe you have. Maybe you have. One of uh, Miss Charity told me in the kids' church here just a few weeks ago that a little boy came in for the first time and never, ever heard 
about the true story of Christmas. I was like, you're kidding me. Right here in America? Yeah, just in a town near here. He'd never heard the true story of Christmas. Nope, always about Santa Claus. Wow. Wow. So some of you may have not given your life to Christ, or you have and you've just went off the rail. It's time to come back home. It's time to come back home. It's time to get your life in order because time is short. Time is short. He's coming anytime in a twinkling of an eye. He's coming. Every prophecy has been fulfilled up to this time. I don't know that there's any more prophecies that's coming until we're out of here. It's true. So it's just a matter of time when, man, we're out of here. So obviously, I need to give you an opportunity today to say, hey, if you've not given your life to Christ, here's your opportunity. Here's your opportunity. Do you want to die with the Egyptians or do you want to be saved under the blood? It's your choice today. And if you would like that, just raise your hand. I'm not going to bring you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you'd like to give your life to Christ, just raise your hand so I can see it. That's all. Anybody at all. If everybody died today, we'd all go to heaven. Okay, there's a amen. Okay, I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hallelujah. Oh, Holy Spirit, he's moving. Last, last week, they said the two angels came through as we were praying. Healing angels came through. I wish I could have seen them. I'm telling you, I'm thanking God. I've changed my confession that I've never seen angels too. Lord, I thank you. I see them all the time. And I believe I'm going to see them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody around her, would you please pray for her? Pray for her right now. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you today. I thank you for this person over here, God, that that says, hey, I want Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And anybody else here, I've messed up, I've sinned, I've fallen short of your glory, which we all have. God, I thank you, Father, for her faith, raising her hand. God, you saw that hand. And God, as she confesses, Father, right now, and believes in her heart that you raised Jesus from the dead, she is saved. God, we thank you for that salvation, Lord. Father, you leave the 99 and go for the one. She's the one today. They're the one today. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And we give you praise for it right now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Would you please stand up and come up and grab your communion as we play here for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thanks, love. You want to come up here with me? No? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Corinthians, we just read at 11.24, it said he gave thanks and broke the bread and said, take and eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, God, today we discern the body. We thank you that your broken body has brought healing to our bodies, Father, we are made whole as we eat this bread emotionally and physically in the name of Jesus. Now we thank you for it, Father, and we give you praise. Let us eat. Thank you, Jesus. Healing take place in people's bodies right now. Hallelujah. Most emotionally and physically, Father, right now. Pain disappear in the name of Jesus. Just as you did for Israel, you do for us. Hallelujah. We give you praise for healing throughout this house right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Setting people free in the name of Jesus right now. Oh, we give you praise for it, Father. Hallelujah. We will not be sick. We will not be lame. We will not be crippled. We will not be diseased in Jesus' name. We thank you for the miracle-working power in this house this morning. Hallelujah, all through this place, God. We thank you, Jesus. We discern the body. Hallelujah. Satan must flee in Jesus' name. I thank you for healing taking place in eyes, ears, noses, mouths, heads. Hallelujah. Legs. Strength come back to people right now in Jesus' name as they step out in faith. Hallelujah. And believe. Oh, we give you praise for it. We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. It says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. We're taking the cup. We're remembering this. Hallelujah. We're discerning the blood today that it brought salvation and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father, for what you've done for us on the cross. We thank you that we are saved, sanctified, set apart for you today because of that blood in Jesus' name. Let's drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even here. Huh, took the bread first. Took the bread first in the scripture. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that today the blood is over us and the lamb is in us. Come on, somebody give him praise. Give him thanks in the house. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you for our redemption. Thank you for our healing. In Jesus' name. It's not a light thing. 
Hallelujah. It's not a light thing. It's not a light thing. Hallelujah. You know, as we close, I know, listen, I, I understand that our bodies are decaying. I get it. Naturally, it's going to happen. We will all die if Jesus tarries sometime. But I don't believe we have to die in sickness. I don't believe it. I, my aunt died while she was sitting in her rocking chair reading the Bible, and she passed away. My uncle was sitting in the rocking chair reading his Bible, but his Bible was a cup of coffee. But he went home that way. They weren't sick. They just, it's time. I'm out. Peace. Deuces. And that's what God wants for us. Believe it. Take it. Receive it, guys. Get it in here and get it in here. Healing is ours. Salvation is ours. We are a blessed people. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for all of us today. I thank you for the the church today. God, I thank you that we are leaving not the same way we came in this morning. I thank you, Father, that we are leaving with revelation. Father, I thank you that we are leaving touched by you this morning, healed and set free by you this morning, saved by you this morning. Oh, by faith we receive everything that we learned today, that we took today. We thank you, Father, for it all. And God, bless every one of these people, your children, as they leave today, as they go on their way through the 4th of July as we celebrate our freedom, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for safety everywhere they go. I thank you that they're blessed everywhere they walk and they put their foot. They're blessed, Lord God. Coming in and going out, above and beneath, they're blessed. Favor everywhere they go. We proclaim it, Father, and speak it over their lives. In Jesus' name, and we thank you for it all. And everybody said... Amen, amen. We love you.